Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Uh, today, obviously, is the, uh, the anniversary of the very first auction uh, for the 2008 IPL. That's right, Kitch. The first time in sporting history that such amount of talents and individuals went under the hammer in a sporting event as an auction. We've never seen that before. And MS Dhoni, of course, I think at the age of 26, one of the most expensive players to go under the hammer. And mm. Chennai Super Kings were lucky enough to get that player. And ever since... 15 years later he's still remembered as Tala in Chennai yeah it was it was a it was a great result and uh, I can remember uh, from an Australian perspective the Australian side uh, they were in the middle of a, a t- I think there was a match and Andrew Simons went for a record amount well to speak more about this uh, we are joined on the line right now by Charu Sharma uh, the commentator and the compare he was the CEO of the Royal Challengers Bangalore uh, for the cricket side for the 2008 Indian Premier League and he joins us so Charu thank you very much for your time this afternoon Pleasure. Uh, I'm glad that we can connect again. And yeah, you talk about the first ever auction 15 years ago. Wow, what a moment and what memories attached to all of that. Uh, where, where were you watching the very first auction? <laughs> well, I was in charge of the Bangalore team, so there was only one place I could have been, which was on the table inside the auction hall, along with uh, the team owner and the rest of our uh, squad, well, think tank, including Rahul Dravid. And how much? And how much research had you done leading up to certain players and budgeting for players and working out how much other sides were going to pay for players? How, how much time had you devoted to that leading into the to the auction? What a great deal! Because I was, amongst other things, an auctioneer even then, so I knew how wide an auction mm. could be. And what we did do is just to give others a sense of how uncontrollable situations could get is to actually have a couple of mock auctions inside our office, you know, with mock owners and what have you, only to have people realize that things, you know, are not really in your hand because just when you think it is or, or, or a player's in your hand, somebody else comes up who's been cheating all along so to come up with a bid. So it's really quite wild and we prepare as much as we possibly could. I dare suggest better than a few others, the most others. But, you know, once again, it's an auction and ultimately you have to take the call right there, right then. And it's what you feel. Should we go a little more? Should we step back? And like every other team, we got a few on our wish list and we didn't get uh, a few on our wish list. Yeah, 
at the time, it's hard to remember because I remember that there was the ICL, which was around at the time, alongside the IPL. Uh, goes to show you how things have changed in 15 years. Uh, at the time, did, did you predict or was it widely reported that MS Dhoni, was he thought he was going to be the highest paid player leading into the auction? I'm not so sure. That, that, that was the, the common thought because there are many other players and, of course, like everybody else, and as has been proved over time, uh, Tony, of course, is a very special player, a talisman, mm. really. But the focus was an all-rounder, especially fast-bowling all-rounders, because, you know, it's a, it's a rare breed. And they could not only give you four express overs, four great overs, maybe pick up a couple of wickets and come and slog a few down uh, the road towards the end, which could change the match. So all-rounders were definitely on everyone's horizon. And before you ask, I mean, we <laughs> did four, and, and successfully did four, the world's best all-rounder at the time, Jeff Callum. Um, you were part of the Royal Challengers Bangalore team when the auctions happened, of course, and a very, you know, very curious pick at that time seemed Virat Kohli at the age of 19 <laughs> years old. Was there any thought or was there any foresight oh. into thinking this man would be one of the legends of the game now? Well, we all knew that he was, you know, pretty special as a batsman. Mm-hmm. But remember, he was the captain of the Indian under-19 team. And this is actually a very long story, and I'm not so sure we have the time for it. But very quickly, uh, uh, each team was also uh, requested, to, not requested, well, as a mandate, needed to have two under-19 players for, quote-unquote, developmental purposes. Right. And obviously, our attention was on the Indian under-19 team, which at that point in time was in Kuala Lumpur, playing the under-19 World Cup. And I think they were about in the quarters at that point in time when... Uh, all of a sudden, everybody started making a beeline for Kuala Lumpur, or at least for the under-19 players. Mm-hmm. And remember, the team of 15 to be able to quickly pick your two. Uh, not that uh, these under-19 players were likely to be stars or would even get a game, because there were so many other global stars. But you had to pick two. So you thought, well, you might as well pick the best two. And we, too, had our sights on Kohli, who was, of course, the captain that point of time, and a couple of others. In fact, we were very interested in Manish Pandey, because mm-hmm. he, as you know, is from Bangalore. Bangalore. Yeah. And uh, so this early process of trying to um, get a, some kind of a contractual situation with these under-19 players in Kuala Lumpur started out. And that soon escalated into a bit of a war because also the agents landed up in you know, Kuala Lumpur. And, uh, uh, you know, these under-19 players, including Manish, uh, who I was in touch with, said that, what do we do now? Because I've said yes to you, but there are agents all over the place that are promising us all sorts of things if we sign for one team or the other, <laughs> which wasn't the right thing for the Indian under-19 team at that point in time because they really needed to focus on the under-19 World Cup. So I, along with a couple of others, made a little petition to the board suggesting mm-hmm. that we should um, I'm sorry, that we should not be picking up these under-19 players in this maverick fashion. Mm-hmm. And in fact, what we should be doing is to make sure that they're spread evenly in all eight teams Add one under 19 player to the 15 who were in Kuala Lumpur, make 16, and have a good old fashioned draft, <clears throat> to which the board thankfully agreed. So, all these early negotiations with all the under 19 players were immediately put to a stop, and uh, they, of course, went on to win the cup, good for them, and Kohli became pretty hot property in terms of a junior. And only later was there uh, a draft for the under 19 players, much later, after the auction, right. where I suppose all eyes were on Kohli, so were ours. But uh, it was through a draft. So the first team name to be picked up for the first choice of the draft was Delhi, the Delhi Daredevil at that point in time. And, uh, well, we all thought, well, Kohli is from Delhi, so gone. <laughs> you know? And the next thing we know, Delhi Daredevil was picked up, uh, the young lefty fast bowler, mm-hmm. who was the 19 bowler at that point in time. 
And we were all like, wow, really? I mean, they haven't picked a goalie. And uh, well, as luck would have it, the second name to be picked out in terms of a draft pick was Bangalore. Mm-hmm. So with about a millisecond hesitation, if at all, <laughs> um, our owner put up his hand and said, now, Virat Kohli, thank you very much. And that's how he came to Bangalore. That's fantastic. And uh, being from Bangalore, sir, I remember the likes of other, of course, bowlers from Karnataka. Vinay Kumar was one of them. Rahul Dravid, Anil Kumble. Like, we followed them. We read a lot about them as well on the papers. And there's always this question of, right, it's the first ever IPL and you want to create an identity with the state, the people, the language and the country as well. These options, how did they come about? Well, I... I mean, see, you know, everybody just basically focused on getting the tournament on at that point of time. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the ICL era some time back. And uh, that, in fact, had kind of been strangled at that point of time to make sure it didn't uh, ever have another uh, season. And which is why the ICL came up in a very, if I may say so, unholy hurry. Because uh, they wanted to make sure that the ICL would not go with another season. Uh, They had two seasons prior to the IPL. And if all the players naturally came to the IPL, then there would be no IPL. So that's how the IPL was strangled. Mm -hmm. And uh, the IPL was born as the official league uh, in contrast to the IPL, which was, quote-unquote, at that one time, the unofficial or rebel league. Mm -hmm. And uh, everything was done in, well, compressed to 10 times the speed it should have been done. And uh, everybody was just scrambling. I mean, we just said, let's get the ground ready, let's get you know, whatever we need for our team, let's get our team members here because I mean, they're coming from all parts of the world. And it's understandable that some of the team members were, I'm not saying mm, uh, apprehensive of whether anything's going to happen or not or what, but they were just not paying as much attention to the IPL as they could or should have been, which was now the whole world's attention on it. So it was quite a struggle to just get the players organized and have them on flights and come here and get our clothes done and get the ground booked and, oh, you know, all the 50,000 things that need to get done. Right. So that really was the focus of that one time in season one. When we look back at uh, the IPL, it's hard to imagine it'd be where it is today, where uh, the franchise cricket league has got its own franchises with the IPL clubs that have started in South Africa, also here in the UAE. Uh, Can you foresee a time when the BCCI may release certain Indian players to be able to play in franchises of IPL clubs and other competitions (laughs) around the world? Uh, wouldn't that be fantastic? But I think the Indian board is only too aware that uh, the premium nature of the IPL is because Indian players are not available anywhere else. And uh, also, of course, commercially, it's a very, very successful league. I don't think in the near future there would be a time when uh, Indian players will officially be allowed by the cricket board to play in these other leagues because that would then make all the rest of the leagues just as, if I can use the term, powerful and the IPL, yeah. because all players are then available. Of course, you have to find the money to fund the players, but uh, this exclusivity is likely to remain and, and, and therefore will be the big USD of the IPL, where, except for Pakistan, that's just the way things I, are. I, I, all I, players are technically available. I, I get that. I, I just thought that there may have been a release on certain, you know, uh, 18, 19-year-old squad players uh, that are certainly around, not, not the high-end-test players. But uh, I get what you're saying. The, uh, the unique selling point of the IPL is the exclusivity on those Indian players. And I think that, yeah, you can't have, you know, at, at risk of d- diminishing the product if you've already seen your favourite player play for your favourite club, well, albeit a franchise of your favourite club, that, that, that then does de-little uh, what, makes, uh, what makes the IPL so good. 
Well, true. You mentioned some of the younger players. I think if anything in the future, the board may relent and allow some of the completely retired players, if yeah. they're still needed, uh, to participate in these other leagues. Certainly not the youngsters, because okay. they will remain in contention with, uh, for places uh, in the Indian team itself. And in India, and I still think in the rest of the cricket-playing nations largely, players are still very keen and enthusiastic to be a part of the country's setup, not just of the club, because uh, franchise cricket has not reached a point where other sports have, where uh, it's clearly club over country. I think in cricket, uh, people are still very concerned about country. And it's only once they've completely given up the possibility of playing for the country and or have reached the stage where they've had enough of playing for the country, are they focusing on franchise cricket. So certainly not the youngsters, but maybe it could be a time in the future where some of the older players who uh, are definitely not in contention to playing for the country could be allowed, uh, if they so wish, to seek their fortunes in other leagues. Sir, I remember reading this uh, news article in 2008, just when the auctions were happening. A lot of journalists really didn't know how to describe this moment, but uh, one of the writers from the Indian Express, and this thought, it still, you know, it comes back to me every time I think of the auctions. They said that if the Hilton Towers in Mumbai, where I believe the auction was happening, they equated that location to the Louvre Museum in Paris. They said if the Hilton Towers is the Museum of Louvre, then MSD was undoubtedly the Mona Lisa. Looking back at that, <laughs> what do you say about that, sir? Well, he certainly turned out to be Mona Lisa, didn't he? Because he does have that lovely little enigmatic smile as well on his face. Actually, a very funny smile. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it was certainly a, a, a moment in international cricket which will be remembered forever because it was the creation of something, uh, as you mentioned, akin to the Louvre where it really had all the precious commodities of uh, the world at one place. And uh, it has gone on, I suppose, to prove itself without any limitation at all. Um, it, it, at that point of time, I think it was difficult to imagine where the IPL would go because everything, as I said, was put together in such a slapdash fashion or in just very quick fashion. But the product has survived. It has thrived. It's got the imagination of just about everybody. And I think it was also, it's, you know, sometimes it's destiny. Because T20 suddenly came into vogue at that point of time. And a 2020 league was just exactly what the game needed to fire the imagination of the new generation of cricket fans. Which is why it works. It worked really well and continues to work well. Had it been, say, a longer format league, I think the younger generation would have said bye-bye. Not interested. No, I think that we are certainly uh, grateful for the way the growth in the game uh, in many, many areas, particularly in the women's game as a result of the T20. And there's one thing uh, that we haven't been able to touch on today, that is the Women's Premier League. But uh, Sharu Sharma, as uh, the CEO of the Royal Challengers Bangalore for that inaugural IPL uh, back in 2008. And we do appreciate you being generous with your time. Thank you for joining us on Talk 100.3. You're most welcome. And by the way, you mentioned the, uh, the WPL. Yeah. Uh, once again, the biggest thing for women's cricket, certainly as far as India is concerned, because it will fire the imagination and the aspiration of hundreds and thousands of young Indian girls. So it's just once again, it came a little late.
but it's not too late. No, it's no, I think so. I think yeah. so because even looking at the the, the ratings of the, the the World Cup that's currently on in a lot of markets around the world, yeah. um, I, I think that we're finally seeing the tipping point of um, television broadcasters and sponsors are suddenly saying uh, there's actually money to be made here. There's a real market for women's <laughs> sport, and I, I think that's that's yeah. that's the real tipping point now that we're experiencing. Yeah, I will have to add the word patience to all those who are expecting the commercial values for the WPL. But it will happen. It will happen. Way, just for the record to end. Yeah, and, and for the record to end, I'm a big fan of women's cricket. So yeah. Charu Sharma, thank you very much for joining us. So on the anniversary of the very first IPL some 15 years ago, can you believe that? Uh, we are speaking to the, uh, the former CEO and the one-time auctioneer, Charu Sharma. You're on TSB Talk Sport Business on Talk 100.3. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, thanks for listening to another TSB TalkSport Business Podcast. And don't forget, if you want to hear the full show, we're live every weekday from 3 to 7 p.m. across the UAE on Talk 100.3. Or you can listen to us via the Big Fan TV app.